Welcome to the Swim Swim Breakdown. As always, I'm your host, Coleman Hodges, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida, where I am gearing up to go do some practice, go eat some pancakes with the University of Florida and all that that entails. So stay tuned for that. We are joined, as always, by Swim Swim Editor-in-Chief Braden Keith from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Senior International Reporter Loretta Race from Kentucky. <laughs> What's I up, say guys? Cincinnati this week because of the Bengals. So hey. this week I'm Cincinnati. <laughs> Cincinnati adjacent. Bengals adjacent. <laughs> yes. And I got the orange on. So, you know, it's all it's all orange and black around here. Okay. Okay. First things first, Loretta, who's gonna win the Super Bowl and what's the score gonna be? Oh gosh. Um, okay, I'm gonna say Bengals. I gotta go all in. So I'm gonna say it's gonna be close. So maybe I don't know. Let's just do like 21. 15. I've got Rams 31-21. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Coleman doesn't do sports. So yeah. <laughs> I don't do sports ever. So including... that's tiebreaker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. But more on swimming news. We've got a big week. we got a lot to break down, so let's get into it. ISL announces season four, a massive 24, 26 matches. 26 matches, uh, huge schedule, too many matches, <laughs> huge schedule spanning from June to December. Um, my, my question to you all, will it be the best season yet in terms of logistics, in terms of audience participation, in terms of just fans liking it, or is it going to be more of the same? It's, talking about the ISL always makes me so sad because <laughs> You know, they, I'm sure it will be a little better in incremental ways, but like it's, it just seems to take them so long to figure out what everybody watching, what's so obvious to us, you know, and, and this year they're going to run into a conflict because there's rumors swirling that FINA is going to schedule World Cup meets during the ISL season. I, this is a really long season. I'm honestly not looking forward to covering it for, for whatever that's worth. <laughs> Just because it's going to be so many meets spread over so much time. And with all these long breaks, you have to like figure out a way to get people re-engaged. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I, they haven't announced anything yet that leads me to believe that there's going to be more parity. So, you know, we're going to get through the first five weeks in America. The, the teams that are the best is going to be clear already. And we're going to go into that second little cluster and, and nobody, it's going to be hard to get people engaged and energized about it again so you know the only i think the only thing that can really make this isl season awesome is if they get full commitment from the american swimmers who more or less have nowhere else to race so if they can get katie ledecky and simone manuel who we're going to talk about later and caleb for the full season if they can get the full u.s contingent there for the full season they that could give them a little spark but short of that i just I have, I just have low expectations, so I hope I'm wrong, but that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. That's pretty much where I'm leaning to. I haven't, I still, since season one has had been waiting for a game plan of how to actually attract non, like this is a league for swimmers by swimmers, not for mass right now. And so now we're just stretching that whole, you know, predisposition out even longer. And I mean, non-swim fans don't have the attention span for a meet, let alone this long season that is probably going to be redundant and then also I, american swimmers i'm not maybe it's the case with no worlds that 
maybe they will get, you know, kind of more invested in ISL, but I, I feel like we're going to have a real inconsistent roster from match to match, which is also hard to follow. I mean, it's also hard to root for like an MVP and, you know, when people just aren't going to flat out show up or they're going to do those empty lane things and all that other stuff. So I'm not convinced. Yeah. And there's, there's still other countries have other meets to worry about. And it feels like a year. It doesn't feel like a year to me where like the Australians are going to punt on the Commonwealth games to focus on ISL, for example. No, 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 no. So do you guys think the long season, which is a lot, you know, similar to a lot of other pro sports, do you think that's a pro or a con? I mean, because we, we talked with um, Jason and Rowdy when this news first broke, we got their perspectives on it. Um, and they were certainly excited for the longer season. Obviously, Braden, I know you're laughing because I don't want to question their integrity, but like, that's what they do. That's their role. Well, and they're swimmers and they're swimmers. Yeah. However, you know, it's, again, it's, it's an echo chamber. So the, the point, are- <laughs> the point being that more swimming time is going to equal higher chance of, of non-swimmers watching swimming. Do you agree with that or no? Well, do we know if it's going to be on TV more? Yeah, We're not going to find true. out until the day before the meet starts. Yes. Yeah, because it's not going to. How is that? I mean, so so let's assume it is on TV because well, it has been the last equate, three seasons. It's not going to equate to more people signing up for subscriptions. I'm confident of that. More non-swim people aren't going to go online and buy subscriptions if it's on TV more, and they can somehow figure out a way to publicize that it's on TV. I guess there's a higher chance of more people stumbling across it. But again, I mean. I I always go back to this question, is the format engaging or is it just so much better than what we have in swimming that we like it? You know, is, is it, is it engaging to an NFL fan, to an NBA fan? Um, I hate to say major league baseball, because I know a lot of people have, have trouble with their format right now, but like, is it truly engaging or are we just so used to like, eight day drug out prelims, semis, finals meets that like, it feels amazing to us. Yeah. I, that's what I was saying. I, I think for me, it's, it's, it's what I'm calling an echo chamber because it's swim fans and swim community are the only ones that are commenting on it, talking about it. If that quite honestly. And what really hits home for me is like, all the interviews are like swimmers that are like, I'm having so much fun. Like I love racing. I love being here. That's great. Mm-hmm. But it's never an outside fan like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know this existed. Like, now I know. And so it's 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 not broadening their horizon outside of the swimming community. And, and we're going on season four. So right. and, and what's <laughs> what's frustrating is that they don't even give me the, the media outlets that care like us. They don't really give us the opportunity to, to sort of help them tell those stories. They're mm-hmm. so gung ho on getting the New York Times and ESPN and CNN to cover their mm-hmm. stuff. And they just aren't going to cover it at any sort of like engageable level. They'll cover it at like a novelty level, but not a level that I think that's going to make people tune in, but the league doesn't help us help them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, Mm -hmm. that's an ongoing frustration as well. Hold on. So you guys are complaining about (laughs) engaging non-swimmers. And then when they try to engage non-swimming news, (laughs) you're complaining about that. They're not having success. I mean, they're, they're, they're not like the New York times just isn't covering the league. The ESPN isn't covering the league. So if, you know, if ESPN added a swimming section and was covering it, even I'd say once a week, then great, but it's like, it's not working. 
I was on BBC Radio, so I'm I was spreading the word. So the, yeah, they the got Brian, me. Loretta did her part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I I see what you're saying, Coleman, and and I think that's a reasonable clapback. Um, but like when they when they they're whatever they're saying, you know, ESPN knows what engages its audience, and if the ISL if they aren't covering the ISL that means they know that the ISL isn't engaging its audience. So whatever they're doing for ESPN and CNN and New York times and whoever else obviously isn't really working either. That's a good point. Uh, so, so, so as of now, we're skeptical of ISL season four expectations are low. We'll see, we'll see how they release things in the future, how they roll out this season four um, with a massive schedule. And I guess <laughs> tune in to find out more. Uh, moving on from ISL, we saw that Simone is at least training in the weight room, Simone Manuel, training in the weight room at Tennessee. We don't know much more than that, but it does raise a bigger question of postgrads leaving their alma mater to train at another university or postgrad training group. Um, and, and that uh, garnering significant long-term success. We haven't really seen that too many times with postgrads um, leaving their university and having elongated success. Uh, Braden, you want to take the wheel on this one? So I was talking to a college coach yesterday. I won't say which one, but he's a coach at a program that would have interest in a pro group, let's say. And he has basically said that after trying it, they're going more or less alumni only because... Um, they, you know, it's, they don't find that it works. They find there's too many culture challenges. The, the post-grad athletes, like it really has to be the right athlete, I think, to make it work. Um, and I think Katie Ledecky at Florida is a great example. You know, Katie Ledecky is going to fit into the culture because that's who she is. She is going to motivate her teammates. She is going to come to practice Etc. Um, but what this coach said is that they found they had trouble sort of engaging a postgrad who didn't go to that school, who didn't come through that program as a freshman, get sort of indoctrinated into the culture and progress that way. They had trouble getting them on board, you know, missed practices and just maybe little things that caused them to leave. It turned out a change of scenery didn't solve those problems. Um, and I, you know, I think that's interesting. We were talking before we came on and we were trying to come up with examples where this really, really worked and it worked for Ryan held in 2019. It didn't work for him in 2021. Um, you know, the same with Dean Ferris, same with Dean Ferris. It worked in 2019. It didn't really work in 2021. So I think it's interesting. And I think there's a lot of swimmers that are testing this. Um, it, it seems like this triad. And I think that's probably partially a function of swimmers training longer. I think swimmer, as we've discussed on this show before, um, I think the older you get, the more likely you are to want to leave the college town that you've been in for seven, eight, nine years. And I think that's reasonable. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's a swimmer, like, like I said, like Katie, I have a high degree of confidence that it's going to work. Simone, if it, for Simone, if it's going to work or not, like it's going to be up to her, you know, she's good enough. She knows how she needs to train. Um, I don't think, I, I think, I guess how I'm trying to say it is 
whether Simone is at Tennessee or whether she winds up at NC State or, or some other postgrad group, I think it's sort of, I think for her and all of these other swimmers, it's the message is that it's on them, right? Like they're not going to show up at a program that's just a magical fit for them. <laughs> and they suddenly, because the, these swimmers are culture disruptors, whether they want to be or not, when they join a program, the culture changes mm-hmm. based on their presence. Um, for better or for worse. And so I think for these high level swimmers, it's, it's on them to figure out how to make it work. Um, and a change of scenery can definitely be a good thing, but it's gotta be a change of scenery where they're willing to sort of invest and engage in the new culture that they're, that they're joining. They've got to manage their own stuff. Um, they can't just sort of expect it to be, their college experience 2.0. Yeah. And I think for me, this kind of just drives home the point about being a professional athlete. I mean, it's, you can't expect the environment to um, kind of adapt to you. You have to adapt to the environment. And I think, like you said, being like as elite as like Simone, for example, that we're talking about, I think it's just a different transition and like a different um, just embeddedness when they're going to a new program versus like the, we were, like you said, trying to think of other ones. Um, and I was actually thinking more of internationals, like Bobby Hurley and Junior Kogo were at club Wolverine elite. And so they were with like during the Conor Yeager days and that kind of thing. So those, like, those are the ones that come to mind and yeah, they're not, you know, standing on top the podium, but you know, they were still elite enough and they didn't even go, you know, to Michigan they blended in and they still trained there. And so I feel like there's precedent, but not prevalent precedent really i think i think what the average swim fan underestimates is or overestimates is how long how well elite swimmers get along and i like to Mm. call it the call me maybe syndrome um (laughs) we all saw that video and it's like oh my god (laughs) so the call me maybe lipped up in 2012 with missy and the whole olympic team miss i think missy was like the star of it in Mm. my opinion um (laughs) and and it's like oh my God, they all get along. They have sing-alongs, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not really how it is. Um, you know, these swimmers are competing for spots on international yeah. teams. They butt heads. A lot of them, I would go so far as to say, don't like each other. And so that's, I think that's the part of this that people m- maybe are sometimes surprised when it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, that th- I think there's more interpersonal conflict, even at this level than people are willing to admit or, or that most average swim fans recognize. And that's, that's sort of the context for when swimmers move around. It's, you still have to get along with the people you're swimming with. And sometimes that's easier if you've gone through a four-year college experience with them, than if you just sort of drop in and everything changes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like another maybe piece of this puzzle would be that if you're swimming for a call co- on a college team for a college team, there's a lot of exterior motivation, right? I mean, you get excited at dual meets because the team's excited you're racing your rival schools. And so there's a lot of just motivation that's kind of there for the taking. Um, and then once you become a professional, even if you stay your alma mater, it becomes a lot more centered around you. You have to create your own motivation. And then if you go to somewhere else that, that has that completely different culture from your alma mater, completely different pro group, again, it's, I'm guessing it's even harder 
or, or, or it becomes more on you to create that motivation for yourself. And so if you're not really, really into it, it seems like it would be a slippery slope and, and well, easy to go downhill pretty quickly. Well, what's the psychology 101? What's the easiest way to bond to people? Give them a common enemy. And in college teams, that's very easy for coaches to do, right? It's if you're, if you're Michigan, it's Ohio state. If you're Texas, I guess that doesn't really work anymore. <laughs> um, but you know, if, if you're, you're NC state, it's Virginia. Like it's, it, if, if you're anybody, it's swim swim because coaches like to make swim swim. The common enemy. But like, it's, it's a much, it's fairly easy to do that with college athletes to use that, to bond them together with pros. It's a little bit harder to do, especially because, you know, pros start to think about things like, oh, if I have enemies, then that might hurt my marketability. And that that becomes part of the conversation. There's a lot of factors in this. Um, I guess we'll see what what where and where Simone's training base ends up and uh, and how that works out. Uh, moving on, Adam Peaty announced he's swimming the 200 breasts at the Commonwealth Game Trials. I was very excited about this news. Uh, we didn't want to sink or swim it, but I am curious as to what you guys think he will actually do and will he swim it or not? I do. I think he'll swim it at trials. What's the schedule, right? Is it before or after the hundred? Well, he doesn't have to swim the hundred, right? Cause he yeah, already made yeah. it in the hundred. He did. 50. He'll probably, yeah, he'll probably still, sw- he could still swim the 50 and the hundred. He probably won't, but yeah. he probably will. I mean, you know, but if, if it doesn't matter on the sprint races, then I guess I could see him swimming it in any other scenario. I think he probably wouldn't. I would, I would love to see him swim it. He was okay in short course at it, which is, um, you know, an interesting data point because his underwaters are not historically the strength of his swimming. So if he's okay in short course, he should be pretty good in long course. I could see him dropping a, a 208 or a 207. I mean, I understand. A 207? Okay, a 208. I could see him what? dropping a 208. But like, we have to understand how good he is in the hundred as, as a commenter pointed out, you know, 58, one, one or one ten still gets you a two Oh eight, you know, like even if he bombs that hard, he can, he's got easy 58 speed. I mean, he, yeah, he can go out in 59 easily. Right. Right. And just leave everyone in the dust. Yeah. So I, I, I think he'd be pretty good at it. I don't think he'd be the world champion at it. Um, and I don't know, I think he could be Commonwealth champion. I think he could be Commonwealth champion. Um, and so, you know, it's, you got to look at his motivation factors. Is he going to show up at a big meet like worlds and finish fourth in the 200 breast? He's probably not going to do that, especially now with mixed relays and, and he's got more races to swim. Um, but I think he'd be pretty good at the 200 and I really hope he does. I think it would be in a year that's going to, be sort of limping along without a world championships. I think it would be a really fun story to follow. Well, if you, if you look at British 200 breaststrokers, so the good thing is if he did want to take it seriously, I think he would do it for Commonwealth games. I don't, because of his project immortal thing, I think he's not going to do it for the Olympics for Paris. I think this is strictly like a Commonwealth thing and okay. what? Okay. Head shaking. Are you not on board? With I, I, I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing with everything okay. Okay. so far. No <laughs> Olympics. You get to take um, three in individual events to Commonwealth games. So if you look at, we have uh, James Wilby, we have 
um, actually, you know what? It's even more than that because uh, Ross Murdoch is Scottish. Oh, yeah. So he won't even, yeah. So anyway, so honestly, it's like, will be, and I think the next one I looked at like the the top times over the past couple of years is like, I think Greg Butler and he's pretty in like PD territory. He's like 211, maybe 212. So it's really, honestly, there's roster spots available for Commonwealth games. If he actually wanted, like you said, to give it a shot and you wouldn't even have to get into like this, you know, even probably sub 210, scary enough. Yeah, if he can't, if he can't go 2099 or better, I will eat Coleman's goggles. Like <laughs> I did I, at a at a championship meet when he suited, I have to believe he can go 2099. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he I just agree. he I know you guys want to see him go out in like 59 or whatever, but that's that's when he even said I whatever came home in a coffin because it was it was like I think it was a minute. I, love that I think line. it was like a minute. I don't know. But I think it was like a minute and then I think it was like a minute 11. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it oh god. He did, I mean, how he do did. we think how do we think and by the way, teaser for Swim Swam magazine, we ran the math on what we think the project immortal number would have Ooh. to be, but you're going to have to get the next issue to read. <laughs> um uh but how do we think how do we think, I mean, I know he's not going to train for the 200, but yeah, he's going to do yeah. something, right? He's going to, he's going to learn how to swim a, a stroke with a slightly lower turnover. He's going to do something for it. Do we think that benefits his hundred in Project Immortal or hurts it? I think, I think this is part of Project Immortal, right? It's kind of the off year. It's, he's got Commonwealths and then he's got European champs. So I think this is getting him out of his comfort zone. It's, you know, pushing the limits mentally, physically. It's kind of, it's, it's getting him something new. Yeah. Yeah. I think and, that makes sense. And so I think, that, I think it'll help, you know, I think doing different things, having maybe just, even if it's slight, having another focus on a different event, um, I think it would help. Uh, yeah. because, because he's, I don't, I assume he's been doing kind of the same thing for the past few years and he's gotten better, but you know, you can, you, you always got to switch it up. Especially yeah, when you're, you're so never, yeah. I mean, you never know when you're going to realize something different about your stroke that you never would have, you know, felt or thought about if you're changing it up a little bit for a longer distance. So I think it has the potential to benefit him. And, you know, when I reached out to him and he said, yeah, we'll just see how it goes. So it's not like he's putting pressure on himself and I don't think anyone else is either. So I think he's definitely seen it as like an experiment. Yeah. All right. Speaking of experiments, I don't know if that's the right word for this. <laughs> Matt Sates is officially at Georgia. He's got his first competition under his belt. <laughs> he had a couple of races and both of them were were great in their own way 133 in the 200 free which is moving for a dual meet in a speedo and then 431 in the 500 free with a uh with kind of a miscount <laughs> right he the, the guy next to him miscounted the guy next to him miscounted and then he also stopped and then they both ended up finishing the race but it was pretty good what do you guys make of matt sates's uh uga debut well, I've spent all weekend starting rumors that this is like intra Georgia drama and they don't want him there. And so they did this just to sabotage his swims, which is a hundred percent made up, but that's what I would like to happen. We um, need drama in swimming. We need drama. Yes. So, but you know, I think the 133 was a nice swim. I think, um, you know, I think there was a little part of all of us that wanted us to, that wanted him to come in and drop like a, 
two low and the 200 free and a four <clears throat> 16 and the five, you know, just do like silly numbers and have everybody kind of sit back and say, whoa. Um, and that didn't really happen, but they're nice swims. So, you know, this says to me, he's, he's going to be in the conversation at NCAAs at the end of the year for a couple of races, but like, I don't think we, we can start counting national titles for him this year yet. Um, you know, I think he's a, he's a top five guy for sure, but I don't know if I'm ready to, to bump out Kieran Smith and the 200 free or Dean or all of these other guys, you know, it's a, it's a very fast field. Yeah. I don't know about bumping anyone out, but I think we're kind of underestimating and underappreciating. He's only been at Georgia, what, like three weeks or. Oh, like eight days. So it's like, okay, for him to come in and swim and actually do really well in like a totally different environment. It's not like he was in a different state. He was in South Africa, you know? So it's like a totally different world. And so I think the adaptation is phenomenal. And I, I, I think a 133 for him in that environment is, is almost like a 130, you know what I mean, for somebody else. I think that's, I thought it was great. In, in the 200 free was very good. His other races were still good by most standards, but, you know, not compared to his short course meter times. Yeah. He was probably on pace for maybe a 428 or so in that 500 before the oops. He's still got jet lag, you know, so yeah. give him a break. <laughs> like one day per every time zone, so yeah. he should be right on track about today. I don't know. I feel like for something like that, it might take up to two weeks, but yeah, we'll see. I, I would assume his next meet is SECs. I don't know if they have any more duels, but no, they don't. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see how he shows up at conference. If he makes the conference team, uh, (laughs) next up, Renomi, Chromo, Wiyoyo, or Wiyoyo, whatever, however you want to say it, uh, take your pick retires. She's 31. She's an Olympic champion world. She's, I mean, she's won everything you can basically. Uh, what do you think she'll be remembered for most in swimming? I, I she, she's, her career seems so underrated to me, you know, like that 50 hundred double doesn't get talked about enough. Yes. And, and I think in my head, it's because she didn't sort of leave on top. She kept swimming at a very high level for a long time after that. Um, I feel like, I feel, I feel like her reputation within swimming, at least has benefited from the ISL as much as every anyone's because she was so good in the ISL format. You know, she was a swimmer that people avoided in the skins races. So, you know, I don't think she was ever beaten in skins. Well, she didn't swim it very much. Like, I think, I think I, I mean, the first season she definitely did, but yeah, right. Right. In the first season, nobody was picking skins races, but like season two, I think maybe she swam it once, but it's because everybody picked away from her when they had the choice because they knew she was so good at it. So, you know, to me, to me, what I remember about her is the way she was able to sort of maintain a super high level so long, so often more. I mean, I was shocked that she had the most short course worlds medals ever. I would have thought Katinka or mm-hmm. some of these other sort of short course superstar swimmers, but that was surprising to me. So I don't know. If she, I think my answer is she's not going to be remembered enough and she should be. Yeah. I kind of equated her career to Emma McKeon before she totally busted out at Tokyo this past last summer, because Emma, I feel like her career has been totally underrated as well. And she's been prolific. She's been, you know, on, so many levels of podiums in the sprint events. Um, and 
and more. But I feel like Renomi's kind of in that same boat where it's like she's always on like a medal winning relay, if nothing else, or getting, you know, world records and medals herself in like 50, her 50 fly was getting so good too. She was improving so much in that particular event. So it, it is surprising to me that I honestly think worlds getting delayed kind of pushed over. The, I'm just guessing. I'm speculating. That that, that, yeah. That it kind of pushed it over the edge and just was like, you know, and then fairy retired as well. Her, her uh, fiance. So I think the time was right. And she probably just felt the time was right, but we're all so much worse for it. <laughs> you know what I love about her retirement? You know, we have, we have lots of athletes who retire and, and make statements about wanting to help um, other athletes with their mental health sort of as a general statement. What I liked about specifically what she said was I want to help athletes develop a part of themselves outside of the pool, because mm. I think that's important for athletes and everybody on earth to have <laughs> hobbies and interests outside of their work. Um, and so I, you know, I thought that was a really good message. And if she succeeds and I don't know if she's trying to make it into a business or a nonprofit or what that looks like, we're hoping to get her on the podcast to, to maybe mm. talk about that a little bit. But I think that the specificity of her message and how she hopes to help athletes. I think that says a lot about who she is. You know, everybody loves Renomi, like nobody yeah. has anything bad to say about her. And so I, I more so than almost any other athlete who said they want to do that when they retire, I look forward to seeing what she can achieve in that area. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And uh, Renomi actually talked at length about that on the podcast. Um, when I sat down with her a couple months ago, um, she, like she had, you could tell she had already put thought into this. I don't think she was like thinking, oh, I'm probably going to retire like in the next couple months at that point, but she was already considering like what life is going to look like after swimming. Um, and she talked about wanting to help other swimmers with that process as well. Um, yeah, which is just super cool. And like Braden said, Renomi's great. Um, <laughs> all right. Another retired athlete, Michael Phelps, played pickleball, apparently. Braden, tell us about it. God, I feel like I always have to be the one to rag on athletes. I, I am hoping that Michael <laughs> Michael is taking this all slightly tongue-in-cheek um, because it is, because it's pickleball. Um, he was not good. The pickleball community is livid about this. They were okay with Larry's performance, um, but the general consensus was there are so many celebrities now playing pickleball. Why didn't they find one who had ever picked up a paddle before? Um, and I look, Michael, great swimmer, and and all jokes <laughs> about swimmers on land aside, I give pickleball lessons, and I have given first pickleball lessons with. 60 plus year old individuals with no athletic background. And the first time they picked up a paddle, they were better than that. So I don't, I don't know what, I I mean, it's pretty obvious to me. He didn't have a lesson first, which he maybe should have, but like, I don't know what went wrong there. I don't know (laughs) what his approach was. I don't know if he didn't expect there to actually be an audience for this, I mean, they, they packed center court at this tournament. It was the, the pro pickleball matches were fairly empty and this match was packed and it was fun. You know, they did a lot of sort of fun, fast paced things. They brought out the world's best 
12 year old player, um, which was kind of fun to watch. And Phelps was really good with the pros and the fans and the kids and everybody else. So Wait, was it him. meant to be serious? I mean, was it, you know what I mean? I, you know, was there something at stake? No, reading between the lines, I think, I think Larry wanted to show off his pickleball. I think Larry Fitzgerald <laughs> plays pickleball and wanted to show off his skills. And I think it became very clear. I don't think it was that it was like a serious thing, but I think it became clear to everybody very quickly that, that Phelps didn't have a skill level to make it entertaining based on the play in any way. Um, it's just at almost every point ended with a, a shot to Phelps. Um, <laughs> so like, I, I don't know. I don't, it was, I think it was fun. I think the people there had fun and kudos to Michael. You could, you could see he's it, nothing I'm saying is a mystery to him. You could see by the end that he understood where he, where he fit in this world and he was still good to take pictures and sign stuff and whatever. So it, again, good for Michael. I think he's settling into his, his role as post-sport Michael Phelps pretty well. I think he's doing better with the public than maybe he did while he was an active athlete. And uh, it is what it is. Michael, if you ever want a pickleball lesson, let me know. All right. And with that, I think it's time to play our favorite game on the Swim Swim Breakdown, Sink or Swim. First up today on Sink or Swim, Ohio State women and men both beat Michigan over the weekend in Columbus. I'm curious what you guys think. Can Ohio State sweep the Big Tens? Uh, I am sinking the sweep. Uh, I'm going to pick the Ohio State women to win Big Tens because they keep winning. They keep showing that they can show up for Big Tens and win. And I'm not going to do that again. Um, but I, I do think the Indiana men are still in the driver's seat for big tens with the only possible caveat that they might, you know, just train straight through it. They've got a lot of cuts already, yada, yada, this whole nonsense debate that we always have, but the Indiana men to me seem like a team on fire. If they can figure out their breaststroke situation, um, I, they could be top five at NCAAs, top five or six at NCAAs easily. Um, and I think they're going to dominate the Big Ten championships. So I'm sinking the sweep. I'm sinking the sweep too, but I'm thinking it's going to be Michigan women who are going to wind up on top because go blue. And then I think the men is going to be Indiana. <laughs> so you're be, you're betraying your state now in favor of my father's an alum. So yeah. when in doubt, it's it's Michigan. <laughs> my, my father is a Michigan alum too. And I know all of the Ohio State swimmers are going to be in the comments yelling at us about this, but I'm still picking the Ohio State women. <laughs> all right. We can't help where our fathers went to college. <laughs> they didn't ask my opinion. All right. Moving on. Uh, the USA has announced that they will not be funding. Well, USA Swimming announced they will not be funding a team for the 2022 World University Games. Which leads me to ask the question, will the U.S. target any meet with international competition for the summer of 2022? World Juniors, boom. Swim. So, I was like, so sink or swim, what? Okay. Swim. I think they're going to send everybody they can to World Juniors. Uh, everybody else is going to go to Junior Pan Packs. And I think they're just going to try to host a big national championship meet, maybe. I, it's hard to know. It, they're so, they've been so like 
tiptoeing around it. And so they got to tell, like, I understand that FINA can continue to sort of push things off because they feel like they've told the Federation. So now the Federations are legitimately not planning for it, but there's still like this whole other group of swimmers who have to figure out what their year is going to look like. And in the U S until FINA makes their declaration, USA swimming, isn't going to say what they're doing. And until USA swimming says what they're doing, nobody else knows what to do. So I think USA swimming will wind up focusing on a big national championship meet this summer and world juniors and junior pan packs. Eh, maybe junior pan packs will be canceled. Yeah. I'm thinking in terms of like some big global like impromptu competition, but I do think we're going to see a lot more Americans go to the world cup. I think we're going to definitely see that. What I want to know is what their operation gold meet is going to be. Um, I wrote about this yesterday, but you could, your athletes get money based on their best finish at one meet a year. Um, Mm. could they declare short course worlds, the operation gold meet and send a full team? I would, Mm. I would enjoy that, especially if it's sort of set a new precedent where USA swimming cares about short course worlds. That'd be fun. (laughs) Sheesh. I think we'd all enjoy that. I mean, just give us something already. Uh, all right. Max McHugh has dropped some spicy breaststroke times. Number <clears throat> one time in the hundred breast in the NCAA. Will he defend both of his titles this year? Hundred and 200 breaststroke at NCAAs. I am swimming a 100 breaststroke title defense. And I am swimming a 200 breaststroke. <laughs> I am swimming them both. He left us hanging. I am swimming them both. I, the hundred, I feel really good about the 200 is a much deeper race. Casper Corbeau and Matt Fallon and yada, yada, yada. But Max looks so good this last weekend. Um, and he's not going to have, a, we have to remember, he doesn't have medley relays to swim at NCAAs and um, probably, sorry, Minnesota. Um <laughs> Um, but like he, he is, he seems like so fast right now. I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I'm more confident about the hundred than the 200, but I'm swimming it because he just seems like a rocket and I don't know what's going to stop that. I'm swimming as 100 like you, but I am sinking to 200 because I'm really liking Casper. I looked up Casper's time from when he finished fourth last year, it was 151.4 and he's already 150.8 at this point in the season. So I feel like just with a little more behind him for NCAAs, I think that's going to push him over the edge. And I, I don't know. I, I think he's my guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm sinking as well. I think Casper for both. <clears throat> or Reese, think, Reese Whitley is another name. Yeah. I you think know, Casper's... I really like the Casper pick, so I'm changing my vote. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I was at UVA last week. Among other things, we saw a really fast hundred kick from Kate Douglas and Gretchen Walsh. Todd DeSorbo said, had Gretchen Walsh at 54-2. I timed it myself and it was more like 54-9, 55-1 by my watch. So my, but my question is, do, are you in favor of fast coaches watches? Sink Coleman, why didn't you tell us how fast Greg Meehan's watches? Why didn't you tell us how fast Braden Holloway's watches? You need to be fair. If you're going to tell us that Todd DeSorbo has a fast watch, you need to tell us how fast the other college coaches' watches are. I can only tell you how fast the coaches that I see are. <laughs> Coleman, you have so much Virginia bias, it's not even funny. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just being, I'm being a swim slam reader right now. Um 
I I think coaches' watches being fast are a good thing as long as they're consistently fast. But like swimmers can be fragile, so give them a little ego bump sometimes. I still think a fifty-four nine is a bonkers time for a hundred kick. And by the way, they did go back and do it with boards. Do you remember the times, Coleman? Yeah, Gretchen was fifty-nine. Kate was one hundred three. I think there was a couple, there was definitely one or two other swimmers who were under 105. Yeah. I'm swimming so watches. I mean, it's, I, I think it's, it's a fun thing. This is like not a real event that you're going to, you know, get a record for or something. So it's like, what's the big deal? I don't get it. Why are we even talking about this? The secret is for everybody to recognize the fast watches enough to not um, declare their fast watch swim as monotonous. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. If, if you're consistent with a fast watch, I actually, I love fast watches, no matter what people are so <laughs> sensitive about this and it's practice, especially in a nonsense. We're talking about practice. If, yeah, we gotta- <laughs> I mean, if you tell a swimmer, they go faster than they actually did in practice. What does it hurt? Nothing. Yeah, okay. It just yeah. boosts their ego. And that's a win-win for everyone. What if you tell, what if you tell the world <laughs> that you become a swim, swim, mean, for yes. five or six years into the future. Like schooling. That's yeah. all anybody ever says about schooling in the comments. Yeah. But it was at practice. But you know, if he hadn't won a gold medal, nobody would have cared. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, all right. Ryan Lochte on uh, some podcast <laughs> announced that he will be targeting the World Cup this year which I'm a little skeptical about, but I would love to see it. Will he compete at the World Cup? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm thinking, I'm swimming I think he'll that. show up yeah, at yeah, one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, think Ryan, I think Ryan really wants to stay in swimming. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know that he's a coach. I don't know that, that elite coach is in his DNA. Um, so he's got to find other ways to stay in swimming. And for now, racing is a way to do that. And in the future, he'll... I assume find other ways to do that. But Ryan loves swimming. A lot of swimmers Mm -hmm. when they retire are done, done with swimming, at least for a little while, but Ryan loves swimming. So I I'm happy to see Ryan stay in swimming. He's a fun guy and good for him. Yep. I totally agree. I'm swimming that as well. I hope he does do like the whole stretch, but we don't know how many meets. Yeah. I was going to say with kids and he loves his kids, loves being around, you know, I don't think he can stay away like for an entire World Ooh. Cup season. So, what? what if they bring the World Cups to the U.S.? <laughs> Where? Mel Mel already debunked Where? this one. This never going to oh, happen. <laughs> yeah, because you have to pay. <laughs> you, oh, yeah. <laughs> and U.S. is never going to pay. Yeah. It sucks, but okay, fine. Yeah, we had short course worlds. We hosted that in Indy, and in, what was that? Two thousand four. So we've hosted. Yeah, and we've Dino never thing. done it since. <laughs> I tried to go to that. I tried to see Michael Phelps and then he scratched. I was so mad. That's his like so one short course world's medal. Right? I know. He won one I medal was, oh, at that meet. And that's the only one he ever went to. I'm so freaking upset. So that's still ugh. moving on. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Uh, last but not least, we had Ryan held on the podcast. It was a great podcast. He talked about a lot of things. Olympic trials not going his way, his rebound training at ASU. But most importantly, he talked about the all Ryan relay. <laughs> and so uh, this isn't a, a sink or swim necessarily, but 
we we wrote the, an article about this. There was a lot of really great comments <laughs> about fun relays that you can make up. Um, is do you have a favorite relay that you saw, or do you think there is a fastest name in swimming? So there were some really good ones on this that I was I was just absolutely dead at the Inspector <laughs> Colombo relay. Janet Hu, Kwa Zhang, Wen, Amanda, where, Allie, how. <laughs> Representing reasons why my wife doesn't want to kiss me anymore. Katie Grimes, Amanda Beard, Mark Spitz, Richard Funk. (laughs) Some of these were so good. Where's the one about food? Uh, I know there's a mixed weather team, which is Autumn (laughs) Habig, Summer McIntosh, Sun Yang, and Erica Fairweather. Uh, what's the USA one I just capitals, Austin Katz, <laughs> Madison Cox, Trenton June, Julian, and Helena Gasson. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these That's are creative. really next level. Oh I, I have got to say that our readers have never impressed me more than they did here. Team royalty. <laughs> I thought this was a good one. Lily King, Caesar Cielo, Kieran Khan, who I've never heard of and Linda Kaiser. That was a pretty good one. Wow, yeah, that's a good one. I think the winner of this is Swim Swam Readers. You are so often so troublesome. And in these few bright moments, you really come through and prove your value to the world. And for that, I thank you. Uh, Yeah, I think we can end on a good note for that one. So this is the Swim Swam Breakdown. Tune in every week for your week's news and swimming.